everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today, sir? Sir Alan of the Roundtable, my, my long-lost friend. It's It's been a while. It's been a minute, yeah. 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 It's, it's been a wacky few weeks, months. I don't know. It was a weird summer. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, There's a lot going on. I feel like I'm in a time loop. It, it's, it's just yeah. stuff's just flying by sometimes yeah. and then dragging the others but we always said we would come back in August and be pretty much weekly after that. And that's still our goal. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean. I know the right answer. The answer is yes. <laughs> the goal is to be weekly. I, I think, you know, the the there were a couple things going on. Uh, there was some vacation in there. Um, mostly vacation. I think that was it. I think that's what threw us off. It was my vacation. It was my fault. And I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I've I've been speaking at a lot of parks and rec conferences. <laughs> I am in. It, it's amazing what high demand I'm in. Yeah. Um, I speak well of you, by the way. They, yeah, they ask about you. Yeah, I thought they ca- they called those off during the writer strike. No. So is it just you in front of the podium? <laughs> it's it's a uh, it's not real busy. Have you looked beyond the lights? Are there people in the seats? The lights are blinding. I, I really yeah. can't see what's going Fair on, enough. but I I'm yeah. like in my mind's eye, they yeah. love me. <laughs> <laughs> that's where it's most important. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what keeps me going. That's for sure. I think my mind's eye needs glasses. <laughs> Bifocals. Yeah. Contacts. Yeah, whatever yeah. it takes. Whatever it takes. Stigmatism. That's right. Know. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're back and I'm, I'm happy to be here. How about Boys you? Boys are back in town. I am yeah. happy to be here. Yeah. Well, today's kind of an interesting episode. Why so are we doing we, this We episode? get a mixed bag. In fact, that's why we call it a grab bag, right? Oh, that's uh, so clever of us. Uh, it, we are very smart. Yeah. yeah so, I, so I like to say. Yeah. Um, we're going to start off with a little bit of listener feedback. Yeah. That's always nice to do. Uh, we're going to move into a little bit of an in-depth analysis of season five. Right. Like I said, you know, halfway through season six. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about this really cool document you found kind of covering the locations. Uh, right. Locations that were involved in the shoot. Um, we'll feature a little bit of a clip from our interview with, with production designer Ian Phillips. Right. And then I think we're going to send everybody home. All right. Well, how's that sound, Mark? I think that sounds perfecto. All right, man. Yeah. Well, hey, who's speaking of uh, perfecto? Who's helping us out today? No one's perfect. Well, I can't keep track. Let's see. Hey, hey, who's back there today? Oh, oh, I, oh it's Constantine. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I, I know he's dating Harvey's sister, and, and that probably doesn't help things. No, for sure. They things just continue to like escalate. Like they insult each other. They weren't working the same room. Well, right. They had competing comedy segments and... Uh, <laughs> yeah, Constantine's Comedy Corner, the, the smash hit. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. Harvey's Har Har's didn't... No, neither t- did t- Neither did one did. Yeah, they sucked on us. Ne- neither achieved critical success, as no, I like to say. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, then they had battling robots, if I recall, wasn't it? Like uh, Robonstantine. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> Robonstantine and, and Carvey. Oh, <laughs> Like yeah. that, that whole thing. Yeah, and, and then uh, food trucks was next. If That's I right. Yeah, 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 yeah. We talked about the food trucks here lately. Uh, Harvey, uh, he had um, what was it? The hot dog stand. It was a hot dog stand, I think. Yeah, and then uh, Constantine had uh, something else. What was it? Uh, uh, onion rings. Onion, naturally, well, of course. Yeah. What What was I even thinking? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I can safely say, Mark, that uh, we all won because of those those little contests. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they wanted to win, but I think we were the winners because the, the, actually, the it was they, the food was delicious. Well, sure, everything else was garbage, but the food was delicious. Right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I I, I am glad that part is over because I will say that uh, you know between that and my trip to Europe, my diet did suffer just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, plus I did get called into HR. 
Well, hold on. You, you got called into HR again? What happened this time? Yeah. I don't I mean, I don't want to say again because I don't want to make that public record. Yeah. But yeah, I, well. yeah, I got called in. See, um, <clears throat> I like to take the onion rings and I like to put them around the hot dog. Yeah, well. Uh, Apparently, the HR department here at LFU Worldwide Headquarters, uh, they, 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 they think that imagery was suggestive. I'm trying to get it out of my head, as a matter of fact. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Like, let's just like drop it completely as a family show. On the slightly different topic, yeah, I do sure. have good news. What's that? So remember uh, last episode we recorded like five years ago when we were talking about the barista here yeah. at, at LFP where we're headquarters. And, yeah. and we brought up the question of like, what happened to Marbucks? That yeah. great, great Yeah, uh, from, coffee from our shop. history, our personal history. That's Marbucks, right, our personal yeah. history. Yeah. So the food services the Poor man Starbucks, yeah. <laughs> poor, poor, poor man Starbucks. Right. The food services department here at LFP Worldwide Headquarters has been in talks with uh, Marbucks and is trying to acquire them from their parent company, Viridian Dynamics. Sure. Yeah, I remember that. I, VD, I, yeah. I, yeah, but they say the court order says you cannot say that. Oh, you can't so call you it that? you must be talking about some other company because they're not that. Wow. Um, but I I remember they had great pastries. Oh, yeah. They had great coffee. Uh Assorted syrups. Assorted syrups. They didn't have any of those damn sauces that no. our barista has right now. I don't no. understand the use of sauces. We're no longer. We're not allowed. HR told me we're not allowed to talk about sauces. Well, so yeah. there so. you go. It's not just me. No, it's not. <laughs> no, we both got in trouble. As a matter yeah, of fact. we yeah, did. Yeah. Well, hey, Mark. Um, you know what? I think we ought to get into this. Let's uh, let's get things kicked off a little bit with our mailbag. That is a stellar, stellar idea. I love our mailbag day theme. You know, I think, Mark, let's let's kick it off. I know we have uh, a couple reviews from Apple Podcasts we want to talk about. Yeah. One of them's a little bit older, but I know it's come, we got this since our last mailbag, so I thought I'd mention this one. Right. Uh, this was from Carol Marvelette. Lo- gotta love that. I so do like it's it. It's a nice nod of the hat, right? Yeah. And, um, and her comment, her title of this was Friends, Waffles, and Work. And she said, uh, it's a five-star review. Oh, yeah. Pat ourselves on the back for that one. Yeah, that's weird. She, <laughs> it's funny. We'd mentioned that one. In one I know. Of the it's that's weird. like we planned yeah, this. It's weird. But uh, her, she, her comments are, what a great Parks and Rec show. I'm Aww. glad to see some people are as obsessed with the sitcom as I am. I love Alan and Mark's enthusiasm for the show and the characters and the humor. It's such a joy to listen to them talk about the show. Oh, Carol. So that's so nice. Yeah. Um, have you guys said who your favorite character is yet? Oh. Because if you haven't, that might be an interesting episode. Mine is Leslie. She used to not be the greatest character, season one, looking yeah. at you. But over time, she grew into herself and became more confident and sure of herself. She gradually became my favorite character. Also, I'm glad you guys love the Ben and Leslie relationship as much as I do. I almost cried at multiple multiple of their scenes. Yep. Anyway, that's all I've got. And remember, be the Leslie Nope of whatever you do. I love it. Author unknown. I love it. Yeah, so we, that's we, great. we know the author. Yeah, we know the author. Is Leslie Nope. Well, that, 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 this review is a bit apropos too, talking about Bensley, of course, the yep. Ben Leslie relationship, because that really became the thing in season five. Absolutely. And when we get into our recap in a little bit, we'll we'll detail that a little bit. Absolutely. Well, but thank you, Carol Marvelette, for that that awesome review. We appreciate it. Uh, my favorite character is Ron Swanson, by the way. I don't know if you all knew that. Uh, it may be a hidden fact about me that I'm a, a, a secret. It's super secret. Secret, secret, yes. super secret fanboy yeah. of, of Nick Offerman. It's, it's yeah. awesome. 
I, you know what? It's like for me, it's hard to choose just one to be quite honest about it. Right. I, I probably could narrow it down to by season or something like that if I had to pick one overall. I mean, it's hard to argue against Leslie. I could also or see, Ron. I could see picking different people for different reasons. For example, yeah. you could say like Chris Pratt is always a good pick for just sheer lunacy. Lunacy, yeah. As far as the journey, yeah. I probably wouldn't pick Chris Pratt, although no. he doesn't not have a journey. He has one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I could see different choices for that. Definitely. I think Ben might be my favorite character if I had to pick <laughs> a single character. Yeah. I totally see that. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's he's relatable. I mean, I, I love Leslie, but, you know, I, I think he completes her and vice versa. So. And, and Adam Scott. Brilliant, oh, my God. Brilliant yes. straight yeah. man. Don't even get me started. Modern so. day Bob Newhart. He really is. Yeah. Well, Mark, um, I, I will mention one other Apple podcast review we got pretty recently. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, from Need123445566. Oh, oh, I had heard from Need23457. I haven't heard from this They're one. Cousin. Oh, They're cousins. Oh, cousins. That must yeah. be it. They're, yeah. Are they related on the 5566 yeah. side? They, they really are. Okay. They are. And the X chromosomes, as a matter of fact. Um <laughs> So their title is Fun and Silly and Thoughtful. So thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, I found you guys and I appreciate the time and energy you put in this podcast. Thank you for noticing. Yeah. And I love the adoration you clearly have for Parks and I respect the critical eye you bring to the episodes. Your banter is really fun. Yeah, some people agree. Yeah. Uh, and, and I can tell you guys just enjoy talking to each other some days. Not really. And I really enjoy, and that makes me really enjoy listening. This is generally why I prefer fan rewatch podcasts over official ones. Oh. Thanks so much. That's very nice. That's awesome. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six. Need uh, that. Yeah, that was, was very nice. Was review. that, a, by the way? No, that was, I, we appreciate that. Was that a, a five star review by chance? As a matter of fact, it was. That's amazing. We're going to get criticized for this. Someone's going to accuse us of skipping over these, the reviews that are less than five stars. And um, we are. I'll just admit it. Yeah. We're skipping this. We don't. Yeah. The you word, know what though? The words you're saying don't make sense. So I'm going to ignore you. Uh, <clears throat> Go out and re- re- review them on yourself. I mean, uh, you know, we, we're not hiding them. They're out there. Yeah, they are. <laughs> For everybody who's got a fan, you got to have a hater too, right? Do you? I guess I guess we prove that, don't we? we I think, um, yeah, we and many other things have proved that as well. But, you know, um, Ellen, uh, I, I've been perusing the official L, uh, LFP Worldwide Headquarters mailbox. Yeah, the emails. Uh, and the, yeah. the actual emails. And, sure. and I do have a couple I wanted to make uh, mention yeah. of. Uh, one is... Um, from, uh, it was a very nice email from, um, I believe her name is Tori Nagel. And, uh, she uh, says, hi, do you have a PO box or studio address? I could send some handmade keychains I make for my small business. They say, nope, 2012. And I thought y'all would appreciate one to put on your recording studio keys. That's awesome. That's terrific. Big fan of your show and listen every week with my husband. Aw, thank you for keeping the magic of Pawnee alive. That's great. What a nice email. That's super nice. Yeah, so we, we looked up Tori. Yes. She's got a website. It's Tori's Trinkets, Madison W-I, all one word. So like Tori's Trinkets, Madison, Wisconsin, but Wisconsin's just W-I. Right. Dot com. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Tori, thank you very much. We haven't had a chance to officially respond, but yes, we would love that. Absolutely. Uh, we'll, send, we'll, we'll email Tori back and we'll find out if there's another way we can help her. But, you know, check out her website. Um, Absolutely. I don't see any Parks and Rec stuff on there, but maybe that's by request. And uh, maybe we'll talk to Tori and we can clarify that for next time. Right. Tori is clearly multi-talented and can, you know, make Parks and Rec stuff if required. Yeah. I mean, the stuff I see on the website looks terrific. So yes. I'm, uh, I'm anxious to see these keychains. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, another email I wanted to mention, the last one, because I know we want to move things along, uh, is from uh, someone named Amy M. And she says, hi, Mark and Alan. My husband and I watched Parks and Rec and then sometime in the last three to four years rewatched it with our kids. Mm. The economy, ha ha ha, is a recurring joke around our house. <laughs> I enjoy listening to your show, usually during my work commute or while walking my dog. Good choices. Yeah. I'm writing in response to the question you put to listeners in your most recent episode, a tribute to Leslie and Ben, where you ask if any other TV couples bring as much to the uh, show or at least aren't detrimental to it. I remember this. I think an argument could be made for Eleanor and Cheedy from The Good Place, which I personally will say you're spot on. Alan can't because he really needs to watch that series. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> Their relationship doesn't start as enemies to lovers, which is nice. It's more realistic in that they meet, they get to know each other over time. Initially, they are told they are soulmates, but that doesn't encourage them to push the relationship faster than it should go. Mm. Eleanor falls for Chidi first, but there are points in the show where he's dating someone else. And because she loves him, she wants him to be happy, chooses not to interfere. I believe it's been a... It's been a bit since I've seen the series. She is eventually honest with him about her feelings, but straight up tells him she doesn't expect him to reciprocate. So I, I won't go through the whole email. It's an awesome email, uh, but I'll, I'll kind of skip to closer to the end where uh, Amy says eventually they do get to stay together. And because they're already dead from the beginning, there's no like pregnancy plot line to decrease the show quality. But to be fair, all the pregnancies in Parks and Rec were handled wonderfully as more uh, background things than yeah. like season-long overarching plots. That's true. There's only one birth scene, which is hilarious and short, and no episodes focusing on morning sickness or weird cravings. Ultimately, Mike Sure was behind The Good Place, so maybe he's just really good at fun romances that enrich rather than detract from the show, which I agree with. Yeah. Also, Adam Scott was a recurring character. Yes, he was, yeah. though he wasn't involved in any romance. Anyway, keep up the good work and maybe do a good place rewatch. Uh, I'd love to do that. When you finish Parks and Rec, I'd listen. Thanks, Amy M. Amy, that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, that's a great suggestion. Maybe we'll consider that. That gives me some time uh, to catch up, you know. Yes. We've got, what, I'm going to say 20 episodes of this show left to go, and then we're done. So, you know. It'd be interesting to think about that. You know what would be interesting, too? I know I, 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 give, you, I give you a lot of grief because yeah. you haven't seen it yet. But wouldn't that make an interesting rewatch podcast? You have one person who's already seen it all the way through. Yeah. Another one who's watching it for the first time. Okay, so you're saying don't watch it in case we decide to do the podcast. And that could be our shtick. I'm giving you an out. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Much appreciated. Because uh, that's the kind of preparation I can do, Mark. Yes. Wing it. I know. Yes. I you know this. About barely me. get off my cot next yes. to my microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, that was a terrific mailbag. And those were uh, four great uh, interactions with our fans. Thank you. Yes. Uh, can I say the word fan? I, I think so. They felt like they were fan-ish. Uh, I've, I've checked got, with our, said nice with our science, uh, the yeah. science department here. Yeah. They're fans. I love it. Yeah. So we have at least four. Yeah, we have at least four. <laughs> Put them on the wall. So, no, that's terrific. And, and, and we know we've got a lot more listeners than that. We do appreciate it a lot. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I think those Apple reviews, whether you give us five stars, please give us five stars or not, are always <laughs> nice to hear. And we've even taken the the lesser stars. I won't say how many occasionally. And we've used that feedback in the show. Yes, I, we, we have mentioned that before. And yeah. we, we continue to I think we're kind of done course correcting mostly. Yeah. But 
overall, I'd say listener feedback definitely affected our show. Oh, I definitely agree. And we yep. used it. So so thank you to everybody who gave us that. Definitely. Well, hey, Mark, let's uh, let's get into the season five analysis. I know we're not going to spend a ton of time in each episode, but how, how are we going to do this? Well, uh, I had uh, Harvey and Constantine do some research. Um in different rooms, but, but in different, yeah, because they're fighting. They're fighting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but they they listed. Uh, so thank you to both of them. Uh, they they are they listed summaries of the uh, twenty two episodes in okay. season five for us to read through, along with at the end a nice tabulation of our scores and how ah, they compare okay. and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I've got their emails right here in front of me. Yep, and me too. Um, you, Alan, would you like to go ahead and start us off? Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. Um, all right. So why don't we start with Season five, episode one, yep. which was Miss Nope Goes to Washington, mm. which is a great homage to, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, is that where that came from? Yeah, that's where that I came from. I never made the connection. Anyway, in uh, episode 501, Leslie and Andy go to Washington on business. 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 Yeah. And they, to, of course, to see Leslie, uh, to see Ben in April as well. Right. Uh, Ron is in charge of the Leslie Nope employment Enjoyment, summer, slam, jam, fun explosion. <laughs> Good Lord. Good that Lord. That sounds like something she'd name. That, that needs an acronym. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Tom and Ann pretend to still be together to win a bet with Donna. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. It was a funny episode. I think uh, John McCain had a guest uh, cameo in this <laughs> one right. where Leslie's hiding off in the in closet. The closet. <laughs> Just leave me alone. Coat closet. All right. So, so funny. Uh, and Mark, if I recall in this one, uh, well, I don't recall. Honestly, I'm looking at their notes, their cheat sheet here. I gave this eight and a half stars and you also gave it eight and a half uh, little Sebastians. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I give it stars. You gave it little Sebastians. No one knows why. Now, yeah. th there's a conversion chart there, but it, they're, uh, they're almost equal. It's like Canadian dollars to American dollars. It's almost. Like yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. Don't, just don't cross the border. Bacon to back bacon. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a different conversion altogether. Um, the second episode, uh, Soda Tax is where Leslie faces threats and backlash as if she votes in favor of a soda tax. Because yep. Pawnee ain't, ain't sure. having that. Yeah. Ben Catherine Pinewood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Awesome. The evil Catherine Pinewood. The great Mary Faber. Yeah. We love uh, Mary. She ben, was on our show. Ben tries to suck up to his interns after he discovers that they're politically connected. That's where he rocks uh, that scuba, yes. Ellen. That's right. <laughs> Chris and Tom help Andy try to get in shape for his police entrance exam in three months. And for that one, I gave it an 8.0. And you gave it an 8.5. I did. You know, one of the things that occurs to me about that episode in particular is, you know, this is the first time Leslie really gets in hot water. And in story structure, this, there's this moment called with of death, right? Like you've got to have this thing that makes you worry that the, the, the might all might not turn out well. I think this is that episode for the arc of Leslie in politics. It takes a while for it to come to fruition, but this is the first time we see she could be in trouble. You know what? I, I think you're right. And we should probably say overall, season five starts right after she won her city council seat. You know what? Good and point. It, and it actually ends with that being in, in imminent danger. Yeah, I, I would say, in fact, season four began with her running for office in season episode one. And by episode 22, she won office. So yes. season five has a kind of a similar story arc. But obviously, a different segment of that particular, you know, segment of her life. But, so. but pertinent to what you said, I think you're right. I think this is the first episode where they say, "Okay, you know what? You've got your dream yeah. job. You're in city council. Yep. 
but not all his puppies and rainbows. Yeah. There's something you need to worry about. And yeah. that's that Pawnee doesn't always agree with you. Yeah. And I think that was a smart, smart move yep. early in the season. All right. See episode three, how a bill becomes a law. Yep. Um, Leslie does whatever is necessary to pass a bill by extending local community pool hours. And as part of the new 311 initiative, Mark, oh, that's like yeah. where you dial the 311 there on the phone. Yeah. Ron meets Diane Lewis while fixing her pothole. Oh. That's not a metaphor. With Andy. I remember yes. that. Yeah. And uh, we even meet the girls briefly. And uh, Ben and April are stuck in a parking lot and can't make it back to Pawnee. Because they're in D.C. DC. Yeah, they're yeah, in yeah, D.C. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I actually like that episode. And I, I think you liked it a bit more. You gave it a 9.0. I right. gave it an 8.5. Yep. Yep, but uh, still, really good episode. Very good episode. Yep, absolutely. After that is episode four, Sex Education. Leslie gets in trouble with her initiative to teach safe sex to senior citizens. Yeah, condoms and bananas, just saying. <laughs> it's awesome. It's worse than your onion rings right. on your hot dog. I don't know if I'd say worse. Eh, Talk to HR. It's similar. Um, Ron tries to help Tom overcome his addiction to social media, which I remember. Yeah. Ben yeah. and April suspect that the candidate they work for is a robot. <laughs> I remember that too. So Alan, you and I both gave that a 9.0. We liked that pretty yeah, well. Yeah, that was good. I, I think that was the first time we met Marshall Langman paired up with Marsha Langman. So yes. it was the first time we had the Langmans. Yes, yes I think you're yes, right. That was a great episode. Yeah. Uh, moving on from there, we had season five, episode five, Halloween Surprise. It yep. was a producer's cut. It was the first of two that we had in season five. Yeah. And uh, this is Ron's new relationship is in trouble after he ruins Halloween for oh, Diane's kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, she gives him the what for. And Leslie's future with Ben may be on hold after Ben gets a job offer from Jennifer Bark. Mm. Yeah. And then finally, Leslie and Ann give Jerry a heart attack, or should we say fart attack yep, to keep Tom should. happy? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this was, uh, as I said, a producer's cut, and we uh, we kind of scored this one slightly differently. Um, we gave it both gave it a 9.5 on the producer's cut. Yep. But I think we both also said, hey, how would we feel about it as a standard episode? You still gave it a 9.5. You, you felt it held up. Right. And I said, the, the, the difference, which I believe is in this case, maybe six minutes, if right. I remember. So it was pretty substantial. For me, made a slight a slight difference, half a point. So I give it a nine on the standard. For the standard. Yeah. Still reasonable. Yeah. Yep. Still good. Yep. And this, by the way, if I'm not mistaken, this is the episode where Ben proposes. I'm not mistaken, by the way. Yes. This is the episode where Ben yes, proposes. Yes, you are yes. correct. Yes. So. I you, you made me think for a second, but you are correct, yes. sir, all under the round table. You are smart. Some days. Episode six, uh, entitled Ben's Parents. Uh, uh, Ben's parents threatened to ruin Leslie and Ben's engagement party. Because you're right, they, he just proposed in the last episode. There you go. Um, Tom prepares a new business pitch for something called Rent-A-Swag. What? What? For Ron, with John Raffio being no help. Yeah, sounds right. And Chris becomes a weird mix of happy-sad. Over Leslie uh, and Ben's engagement. This is still when he was in like emotional turmoil. He, and, emotional roller coaster, as they like to say. And Dr. Richard Nygaard is not quite straightened out his not canoe. Not yet, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we both gave that one a 9.0. We like that pretty well. Yeah. I, You know, I, Ben's parents, I think, are great. It's too bad we only had one episode with the, the late Glenn Headley playing yes. her, her his, his mom. Brilliant. And, of course, Jonathan Banks of, uh, oh. of, uh, of uh, Breaking you know, Bad Breaking Bad fame and many others as his dad who just, you know, were, were a Twizzler family. Yeah. We're a Twizzler family. He's or one of the, No, they were Red Vine family. Uh, 
yeah, maybe they are. I, I think they were red vines and Leslie offered Twizzlers. I think that's what it was. Yeah. That so, that may be true. We're a Twizzler yeah. family, so that's why I got confused. So. <laughs> well, one of the only people who could go toe to toe with Ron Swanson in oh, terms yeah. of a grump off. Yes. Oh, weren't they fighting over the last order? <laughs> the last too? bacon shrimp. Yes. Bacon wrap shrimp. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, from there, we went on to episode seven, Leslie versus April. Mm -hmm. And uh, as it's named, Leslie and April clash when April wants a, to propose a dog park for the Lot 48 location. Mm. Ben receives a slew of job offers, much to Tom's astonishment and dismay, because mm. I believe Tom is the one actually trying to get the jobs at this point. Right. Yeah. Or get funding or get get support. And every time He's they like, go out. He wants out, to be a mogul. He, he wants to be a mogul. Thing. Ben helps him go out and talk to people. And all these people offer Tom a job. Or offer Ben a job and pretty much ignore Tom. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then finally, Andy uses his detective skills. Was he officially Burt Macklin here? I don't... Or was I, Burt still in retirement? I can't remember. I can't remember. I don't know if he's retired at this point. Uh, oh, yeah, you may be right. To determine, of course, uh, who stole his computer. Yeah. Uh, he he did. He, he misplaced <laughs> it. Uh, we, we both gave this episode nine little Sebastians. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, Mark, before we move on to 5.8, I want to mention this is the episode where Joe Biden is in the cold open. Ben is leaving Washington and he gives Leslie an engagement gift. And it is, of course, to meet Joe Biden, who oh. is then vice president of the United States. <laughs> that so, is funny. Yeah, terrific. Next after that is episode eight, Pawnee Commons. Leslie oh. wants to uh, reject a great park idea just because the designer comes from Eagleton. Um, Tom and the gang start work on his fixer-upper store for Rent-A-Swag, with Tom very aware of money concerns. And finally, Andy and April summon alter egos to make Andy's new security job more exciting. I think this maybe is where he finally retired, Burt Macklin, so I to think you're correct, yes. And I love the crap out of this one. I gave it a 9.5. You liked it, but definitely less. You gave it an 8.5. Yeah, yeah. That's one of our biggest differentials there, that whole point. Yep. Well, Mark, from there, let's jump over to 5-9. Ron and Diane was the episode uh, title here. And uh, Ron wins a woodworking award, and Tammy shows up at the ceremony to sabotage Ron's relationship with Diane. She does not succeed. Jerry's co-workers are shocked that he's throwing a Christmas party without them. Yep. That bastard. I know. Oh, wait, no, they were invited. Yeah. And uh, Chris demonstrates an improved ability to not spiral even after Millicent Gergit shows up with her fiancé. Yep. Yeah, which was pretty impressive work. It was impressive. Yeah. A little bit of help from Ben, but he made it happen. Uh, this was an episode we both really liked at 9.5 Little Spashions. Yeah, I think, I think this was one of the few where I actually had to ask the question, is this a 10? Yeah. It was that good. It, it was like within reach and it didn't quite make it, but it was really good. You gave it serious consideration. I think we both did, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Yeah. Well, plus the Christmas episodes just give me the feels. They I do. Like it. Yeah, they do. Um, episode 10, uh, entitled Two Parties. Um, Leslie's bachelorette party is ruined after Councilman Jam ugh, backs Boo. out of a promise. Boo. And then Chris throws Ben and eventually everybody else, a bachelor party to remember. I gave this a 9.0, and you gave this a 9.5. And in reflection, I'm wondering if I should, shouldn't have given it a 9.5. This is a really, really it's good It's a great episode. episode. It yeah. really is. I mean, it's another one of those where it hits you in the feels, and, you know, it just, it was well-constructed and very funny and heartwarming all at once. Right. So, yeah. I, I recommend a rewatch of that one, Mark. Um, season... Five, episode 11, Women in Garbage. 
Leslie and April volunteer to work on a garbage truck to fight sexism in city government. Ron has a frightening experience babysitting Diane's girls, oh, who yeah. can blame him. Yeah. And uh, is that uh, Rainbow Princess Sparkles? Is that that one? Uh, if I remember. That's maybe? where they cut each other's hair. I think. Oh, my God. Yeah, yes, yeah, I yeah. forgot. Yeah. And then finally, Andy and Ben tried to teach basketball to Tom, who is, despite his uh, his love of sports or his, you know, alleged love of sports. Yeah. He knows he knows less about sports than you do. No, no, I do. I do sports. <laughs> Which one, Mark? All of them. Yeah. I it's the it's the unisport. They the combine unisport. them all into one the, big the sport. sport. That's, I sport. I'm that good at them. Yeah. You mm-hmm. are that good at it. Mm. Yeah. So what we score that one? Uh we give we each gave that eight and a half. Not a bad episode, but you know, it was a I think it was a bit of a step down from the last two before it. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. But yeah, I, I do remember that that where they had to move that big fridge at the very end. Yes. An industrial freezer or yeah. fridge or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um anyway. Episode 12, Anne's decision. Um, Anne decides she's ready to be a mom and considers possible sperm donors. Ooh, weird. Um, Chris, Ron, and Tom help Ben try to find a wedding caterer, dot, 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 and get horribly crippled uh, by food poisoning, which was horrible to watch, but wonderful to so watch. So funny, yes. And then finally, April replaces Leslie at several public forums pertaining to Pawnee Commons, much to her dismay. Um, I gave that an 8.5, probably for the food poisoning, and you gave it an 8.0. Mark, on paper, this is an episode that should have been a 9.5 or a 10. Yeah. Like, when you read those descriptions, I'm like, oh, my God, this sounds like the best episode ever. Right. And yet, it it wasn't for several reasons, which I'm kind of not remembering very much. I think the number one complaint I remember we had about this was, like, oh, you know, we've been building up to this thing where Anne wants to be a mom all of a sudden. No, no, yeah. we haven't. It's all of a sudden. Like, right. literally, it's like whiplash. Right. And it's kind of like, you know, the writers threw a plot twist in, you know, because they needed one. I don't know. I, I, I remember feeling dissatisfied of, with it. Yeah, it could have used a little building up or warming up to that. Yeah. I think that was the main thing for me, too. Yeah, I think that was the main thing. And it just, you know, the things that should have been funnier weren't. Except right. for the food poisoning. Right. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, emergency responses to food poisoning, season five, episode 13 is called Emergency Response. This was our second producer's cut of, I think, the second of two, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Leslie's called away in an emergency disaster drill. Um, The gang has put together a last-minute fundraising gala for the new park without Leslie, Uh showing that they can do that. And then Andy takes his police officer exam. That doesn't go well. Mm. And uh, Mark, uh, I think we scored the producer's cut. Respectively, you gave it a nine and a half. I gave it a nine. Mm -hmm. And then on the, quote, normal uh, standard version, we each gave it an eight and a half. So we both felt that it stepped down. You gave it a slightly higher base score than I did, though, at the producer's cut. Yep. That sounds right. That was a good one. Episode 14, definitely my favorite of the season, entitled Leslie and Ben. Leslie and Ben decide to get married. This is like a continuation, really. It's like part two of emergency response. That is correct, Really, yes. it's just that it's immediately a continuation of Literally, it. Literally, yes. Um, Leslie and Ben decide to get married right after the gala, but a jealous and drunk councilman jam crashes the party and ruins the evening. Mark and Alan score? Perfect, ten little Sebastian. Perfect ten. Yeah. The first ever normal size episode. To get straight tens. That's right, because previously we'd had one, That's one right. other ten. Little yeah. Sebastian, the season That's three finale. That's right, yeah, but it was it was an extended cut. Yep. 
And we felt like that had gotten to the 10 because of the extended cut, in fact. Yep. 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 That's right. This did it on its own merits. Yeah. No, yeah. That, that is a great episode. You're absolutely right. My favorite as well from season five. Um, moving on, we had correspondence lunch, which, you know, every time you start have a 10 mark, you know, you know, what's going to happen next, right? Another 10. Where else are you going to go? Mm, down. It's down. Yeah. Yeah. So Leslie discovers that a newspaper reporter has hacked her email account mm -hmm. um, and decides that she wants Chris to be her sperm donor, but doesn't know how to ask him. They don't make a Hallmark card for they that. They do not. No. And uh, Ben begins his new job at Sweetums, and he enlists Tom, April, and Andy to help him pick a charity. Oh, yeah. So you gave this eight and a half little Sebastians. I was slightly less kind and only gave this an eight, which I think at that point might be my lowest score so far in the season. I think you're right. The next episode is uh, number 16, Bailout. Leslie runs into unexpected problems when she proposes a, quote, bailout of a failing movie rental store in Pawnee. Chris is uncertain how to answer Anne's request that he be the sperm donor. Tom hires John Rolfio's sister <laughs> as an assistant to help out with Rena Swag. And in exchange for writing her a letter of recommendation for vet school, Anne forces April to be friends with her. Um, I gave that an 8.5 and you, you were still grumpy. You, you gave it an yeah. 8.0. Yeah, my second eight in a row. I mean, there's a trend happening, right? We're, we're kind of on this. We were in this flat section of scores for the season so far. Yeah. I mean, it's still good, but yeah. for, for Parks and Rec, I came down a bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the introduction to Mona Lisa. I was going to say, well, that was her first episode, right? Played by the great Jenny Slate. Oh, my God. She's hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who? if you got John Ralphio as a brother, what were you going to do with the sister? They couldn't have done any better. No, you got to dial it up to 11. Yeah, she surely did. Money, yeah. please. <laughs> Money, please. <laughs> So from there, Mark, we had episode 17 of season five, Partridge and uh, a pear tree. And in this one, Ben and Leslie go to Ben's hometown in Minnesota. Oh, that's where Partridge came from. Yeah. Now I get it. Uh, so that he can get the key to the city. It's not a pear tree. It's just a city. It's just a city. Yeah. Uh, Councilman Jam sues Ron for punching him. Oh, yeah. Totes worth it. Mm -hmm. And Chris and Ann become concerned that they are not compatible as parents. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we both felt like this was a little humdum and gave this an 8.0 little Sebastians each. Across the board, yeah. Yeah, across the board. Episode 18, Animal Control. After Chris fires Harrison Brett, which I cannot believe didn't happen before now. Yeah, shocking. Leslie and the team search for a new head of animal control. Ben asks local fragrance, fra fragrance mogul Dennis <laughs> Feinstein for a charitable donation. And Anne convinces Ron to go see a doctor when he contracts strep throat. Uh, we gave that an 8.5 across the board. I think that's mostly because Dennis Feinstein wanted to hunt Tom. There's that, and there is also the nice cameo by Dr. Harris, who I think loved oh. Ron as a patient, Who because Ron's just like, no, Isn't thank you, good day. Yes. And he's like, yes. I love this guy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a great cameo, as a matter of fact. Played by the great Cooper Thornton. That's right. Another guest on our show. We've had on the show. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, Mark, from there, we move on to Article 2, uh -huh. which is episode 19 of season five. Mm -hmm. Garth Blunden, played by the great Patton Oswalt. Love Patton. Fights Leslie's efforts to remove outdated Pawnee laws. The, thus, the reference to Article 2. Yep. April and Ron take Chris's management training uh, course, which I think it was called Katumps. Yeah, that's remember. right. Yeah. That's right. And end up doing an experiment on Jerry. Totally Very worth funny. it. And Anne and Ben battle to see who will get Leslie 
the best custom holiday present. Oh, yeah. They're both trying to get the waffle maker, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, my God. JJ's? They're bidding against each other. It yeah, comes yeah, out yeah. on eBay. Then they go to the pawn shop. Yeah. Herman Lurpus uh, oh. of the Lurpuses. He loves that nitrous. He, he sure does. Yeah. Mark, uh, you gave this one a 9-0, and for some reason, I only gave this 8.5. I think um, I just had a... Pat Oswalt main crush. He, that he, could be he it. and Nick Offerman. And I, if I remember maybe regretting this one a little bit, thinking you were probably right at nine, honestly. Uh, you you heard it here on yeah. live, live on the air. Yeah, I'm going to edit that out. Um, <laughs> uh, episode 20, Jerry's retirement. Yeah. Leslie throws a last minute retirement party for Jerry. Because apparently it snuck up on him. Ann and Chris weigh their options for conception. And Tom discovers to his dismay that he is the new Jerry in the office now that Jerry's right. going away. Yeah. And we gave this a 9.0 across the board. You know, I remember feeling a little sad that they're transitioning Larry, Jerry, Gary, Barry into this retirement role. Right. And um, we've kind of recovered here in season six. But at the same time, I'd say in general, it still feels like he's in the show less than he was even before this. A little bit, but there's still enough of a presence for him to be their whipping boy. They've found creative ways to keep him in, which <laughs> is right. great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mark, from there, we get into our penultimate episode of season five. Yeah. Episode 21, Swing Vote. Uh, swing, bada, 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 hey. So Leslie and Ron <laughs> compete for Jam's Swing Vote on a bill that will fund a local putt-putt course. Right. Uh, I was doing baseball, but hey, why not swing at that putt-putt? Sure. And Andy decides to retire from Mouse Rat. Mm. You know, uh, sad moment. Mm. And then finally, Anne tries to help Tom break up with Mona Lisa. Again, these should- this On sh paper. On paper, this is a great episode. The execution, wah, wah, wah. I, I think this was our lowest score of the season it for was. both of us. Seven and a half little Sebastians across the board. Yeah. Yeah. We were equally disappointed by this one. And then finally, the season finale, episode 22, Are You Better Off? Oh, I see what they're doing. They're they're holding it in for the end here. Oh, it must be. It must be. A group of citizens led by Catherine Pinewood, once Ooh. again, played by the great Mary Faber. Lover. Organize a Leslie Nope recall motion. Ugh. Andy finds a positive pregnancy test outside Ron's cabin and doesn't know who it belongs to. This is definitely the return of Burt Macklin if he was retired. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Tom considers a lucrative offer to sell Rent-A-Swag. And Alan, I gave this a 9.5 and you gave it a 9.0. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. And at this point, do we yet know who the buyer, the bidder for Rent-A-Swag is? No. Ourselves? We don't find that out till season six. I think you're right. I think, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So... How many times did he turn over the paper? <laughs> oh, it's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, well, hey, Mark, I think we got through all 22 episodes of season five. That's right. That's right. You so, want me to go through the scoring? Yeah. Give us a little bit of a quick analysis on, on our ups and downs of the season scores, and then we'll we'll get into some other stuff after that. All right. Sir Alan of the Roundtable would be my pleasure to start off. Um, so here are a few facts. Uh, so we've already mentioned some of this, but it bears repeating. There were 22 episodes in season five. And as you mentioned, Alan, of those 22 episodes, uh, there were only two producers cuts. Yeah. Um, Halloween Surprise, episode five and Emergency Response, episode 13, um, which I thought was kind of surprising just because I know that you and I said several times during the season, there were a lot of episodes where we're like, oh, the deleted scenes, they really should have added. Could have added them back and yeah. made something out of this. Yeah. And, you know, I was even tempted to say, dude, if you're going to have a producer's cut, save it for Leslie and Ben's wedding. Yeah. 
Turns out they didn't need it. Didn't need Boom. It. Perfect yeah, 10. Agreed. Just with a regular size. Anyway, yep. um, we already mentioned this, but the lowest score given by either of us uh, was a 7.5, which we each did only once on swing vote, which mm-hmm. we just talked about. Yep. We also gave a, a, our highest score only one time of a 10, which is a Leslie and Ben, which yep. we already talked about. Um, as we said, this was noteworthy because we have given one other perfect 10 sweeping 10 before with little Sebastian, the season three finale, but that was an extended cut. This yeah. is normal. It was also back in season three. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, throughout season five, um, I know I, I kept saying it feels like it might be giving season three a run for its money. Like I think that the conventional wisdom, as far as I can yeah. tell by parks and rec fans is that season three and is Alan. probably, and, and Alan and you, yeah, I guess. And it, you, it's the best. <laughs> Season three is the best. It is. But but I kept on saying, I think that season five has given season three a run for its money. And well, how the numbers show it, Mark? Well, I think I was mostly right. Like, <laughs> like according to the numbers, season three still keeps the uh, the 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 gold uh, the gold trophy there, the okay. first place. <clears throat> but and these are our scores we're talking about here. No one else's. The ones that matter. Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> our score. This is what this is what everybody else is going to go based off of. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So my average score for season three was 8.922, like nearly a nine. Yeah, pretty close. Um, For season five, my average score was 8.864. So nearly an 8.9. It it was close and it definitely is is without a shadow of a doubt in tight second place. Yeah. Um, Roughly 0.6 difference. Yeah. Roughly. Yeah. Yeah. Yours was a, a little more stark because you scored season three even a slight bit higher than I did. You were eight point nine seven, mm. and you scored season five a slight bit lower than I did at eight point seven two or it. seven three rather. Yeah, yeah. Um, bigger difference. And so our combined score, you know, if you average both of our scores in season three is eight point nine five. Season five is like eight point eight something like that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's still easily in second place, but so your argument is not there. that far off. I mean, you're basically saying that if you had to, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in our final finale re- retrospective, right? Right. If you had to pull apart all seven seasons of, of parks and rec, so far we'd say the standouts are three and five. I, I think so that that's true. I, I, I think, I think that the reason I thought that season five had a chance of kicking season three's ass is because there was like, I want to say eight shows in a row where I, I at least consistently scored it nine or 9.5 just on and on and on and on and on. I'm like, this was a, this is a knockout, you know, it's basically the first half of the season and then right around the middle. That's true. Yeah. 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 And then it kind of made it, it redeemed itself there at the end. Yeah, what, Leslie and Ben made a nice spike up, and actually, sure. emergency response did too. Those two were like the standouts, and then the rest kind of went. They were down the heartbeats that made us realize the patient wasn't dead on the table. Yeah. Which, which is perhaps a bit harsh. Yeah. They were still stellar episodes. Yeah. It's just they weren't as good as the first half. I, I know I don't see this in your analysis, so I guess my my thought here, final note uh, about three versus five is three had fewer episodes to fail with. In fairness to five. Three is a much shorter season. Yeah. So therefore it can easily succeed easier, easily succeed easier. Um, something like that. It can do better, gooder because it's got fewer episodes. I, I think the th- average is harder to hurt. 
Actually, I think the average is easier to hurt because, like, consider if the season had four episodes. One oh, episode does right. bad. Maths. So, yeah. it, so it yeah. has a better chance of improving it or decreasing it depending on what happened. Fair enough. But let's say you start off really good with season five, which we did, right? And then right. you have to maintain that. You've got a much longer path to maintain it over 22 episodes than you did the the 12 in season three. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the, this that, episode, that this, this season, season five had much more stamina. It sure did. Yeah. yeah <laughs> fair enough. Much more stamina was yeah. required, yes. I guess, to maintain that yeah. level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, still, I, I still will say it. Season three is the best season of Parks and Recreation. Fight me. So, yeah. But we'll save that for the end. Yeah. Yeah, Fair enough. we'll do that. Well, nice job, Mark. That was very interesting, actually. So yeah. um, I had not really thought about it very much until we started preparing for this for this episode. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how season six and season seven weigh in before it's all said and done. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, Mark, I don't know about you, but I could use a quick break. Why don't we take a break? We'll uh, we'll talk about what we've got left to do here behind the scenes. We'll come back. We'll go through all that and uh, we'll be done for the day. Let's do it, man. All right. Woo. We will be right back, everybody. All right. Three one one. Please state your problem. Yes, I'm having a problem with my trees. What seems to be the problem? Well, I don't have any. Do you want to have trees? Not really. Sir, what exactly is the problem? I would like to think I could have trees. You know, if I wanted them. Thank you for calling three one one. Hey, Ron. Let's take a quick break while we check our levels and playback. We'll be live again in 60 seconds. Fine. I'll be on pins and needles until then. While I have a minute, let me catch you up. As you likely know, I am Parks and Recreation Director Ron Swanson. What you may not know is that our city manager, Chris Traeger, recently created the 311 service that allows the citizens of Pawnee to call into a single source for information or assistance with whatever problem they may be having. As a City Hall employee, we are each required to serve so many hours to help get the 311 project off the ground during the pilot test. Unfortunately, I recently chose to leave early to directly assist a very nice woman, er, er, er a citizen, by filling the pothole in front of her house. <laughs> Stop it, Tom. I told you that is not a euphemism. That is actually what happened. Sheesh, grow up. At any rate, because I did not meet my volunteer quota on launch day, I am now being voluntold to finish my minimum requirement this evening. And, as if that were not enough, Chris has also decided in his infinite wisdom to capture several of my citizen interactions this evening to be used as official training material for the permanent staff if this 311 becomes a real thing. Wish me luck. Ron, we're ready to roll again. Why don't you go live and take some calls? Oh, bully. 311, how can I help you today? <laughs> hey, man. Yes. <laughs> hey, man, is your refrigerator running? Uh, yes. <laughs> well, you better go catch it, man. Uh, bully. <laughs> Three one one. How can I be of service? Hello. Yes, ma'am. Please state your query. Oh, well, I have a question about some digging my husband is doing around our house. Uh, ma'am, I believe you have the wrong number. You've reached three one one. This is three one one. 
Yes, ma'am. The national call before you dig number is 811. Oh, 811. Hmm, just add five? Uh, yes, ma'am, that's correct. Just add five. Can you add five to it right now? Uh, no, ma'am. My apologies. My calculator is broken. Oh, all right. Bye. Uh, yes, Godspeed. Three one one. How can I direct you? You need to do something about Rapid Park. Yes, sir. What seems to be the problem? There are pigeons everywhere. Pigeons, sir? Yes, pigeons. And what's worse, none of them have leashes. Huh? You don't say. Come down here right now and put these pigeons on leashes. Uh, well, my good sir, I won't be handling this problem directly because that would probably be too efficient. <clears throat> so I will be transferring you to Pawnee Animal Control. Wait. Yes, sir. Please be sure to ask for Brett and Harris. They'll be sure to help you. Not those two stoners. Uh, thank you for calling 311. Transferring you now. 311, please state your issue. Um, yeah. I'm planning on throwing a lawn dart party, and I'm looking for some grub that we can barbecue. Well, sir, barbecue equals meat in my book. I would recommend you pick up some bulk packages of ground beef at your local food and stuff. Food and stuff? That's right. And for what it's worth, they also sell lawn darts, in case you own an incomplete set. Wow, okay. Oh, before I go, do you know where I can pick up exotic fish food? Same place, sir. Really? Wow, that's quite a store. You said a mouthful, sir. Thank you for calling 311. 311, how can I help you? Um, yeah. I I'd like to place an order to go, please. I'm sorry, this is 311? Yep. Um, I'll take your Pizza Hut special. Two large pepperoni pizzas with a side order of breadsticks. Pizza Hut? Wait a second. I know who this is. Son, you're asking for a world of hurt. Don't make me put Leslie back on your track, Pachitis. <laughs> and tell your punk friends to stop calling. <sighs> All right, that does it. I've officially had enough. Ron, can't we get just a few more? Tell you what, uh, Nathan, is it? That's right. I'm producing this training video. Right. Well, I have a business proposition for you. I propose you and your crew shut down for the evening or find another sap. Um, why would we do that? Because I will furthermore propose that you kick back and relax with this beautiful bottle of Lagavulin that I just happen to have here while I make like a tree and leave. You just keep a bottle of Lagavulin laying around? <laughs> Son, this is my backup emergency bottle. Do we have a deal? Yes, sir. We do indeed. Good man. Everybody! 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 <laughs> Uh-oh, I hear Chris coming. Remember, I was here earlier and something was wrong with the camera. I'm out of here. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, hey, Mark, um, I know that you mentioned earlier in the show that we wanted to talk through some location guides that you found. Um, why don't you kick us off here? Because I know that this is something you, you're bringing to the show. Sir, Alana, the round table, I would be delighted. Um, well, we, we found a couple things um, on the, the wide, wide world of web. Um, this is kind of a, a treat. We, we, we were kind of excited by this and wanted to share it with all of you. 
Um, so if you want to follow along, if you want to play along at home, open the browser of your choice, uh, go to the Googles, type in Los Angeles Pawnee Guide. And the first hit should be an entry from Los Angeles Magazine titled The Complete Parks and Recreation Guide to Los Angeles. Nice. So we should be clear, this is not our content. The author is Lindsay Blake, and this was posted on March 12th, 2015, which is about two to three weeks after Parks and Rec aired its finale. So we're plagiarizing, but we're admitting it. So therefore, it's not plagiarism. So, yeah. So it's there, an homage. So therefore, it's an homage. And then people yeah. will go, oh, aren't they honest and stuff? Because yeah. they, they don't yeah. pretend like it's their work. It's not yeah. our work. It's Lindsay Blake's. Well, it's nice um, job. So this is a really interesting little page where Lindsay goes through uh, 21 buildings around the Los Angeles area that were used in Parks and Recreation. Wow. So, so I'll start off with a, with a big one. Um, the, and uh, Alan, I think you've been here as a matter the of Mecca. fact, Pawnee yes. City Hall, yes. uh, real location, 100 Garfield Avenue, Pasadena. Um, it is at Pasadena City Hall that Leslie, Ron, and the rest of the gang reported to work every day and where many workplace proximity acquaintances uh, were formed. <laughs> Thank you, Ron. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I have been there. And uh, Pasadena is a, a terrific little city. So I, I recommend you go there. It's a beautiful building. Did it make you do a double take to go there and go, oh, my gosh, I'm here. Yeah. I mean, it was a little Where's weird. Tom? Yeah. I, I actually, I think I showed you the picture of, <laughs> yeah. of myself out front. So, yeah, you yeah did. That, was, that was a lot of fun when we went to L.A. So, uh, Mark, from there, I know location number two is the Pawnee Library Department. Boo. The real location. Yeah. Boo, uh, Tammy. Uh, the real location being 175 North Garfield, also in Pasadena. Mm -hmm. So this is like literally, in fact, if you stand on the corner, look at City Hall, turn around. It's just like in the, the show. Like yeah. It's right there. Right. So I actually got a picture of that building, but we didn't get out. We we. We're, we're skedaddling out of town and I shot it out the the passenger window. Well, yeah, so. you want him to get you. But this is Pawnee's most hated building, of course, the oh, library department. by far. A.K.A. the worst place in the world, uh, I believe Leslie says, where Ron's ex-wife Tammy, too, works mm -hmm. and is located just down the street. Yep. Yep. Um, number three is the another big one, the Sullivan Street Pit. Well, sure. I mean, that that's what starts in the pilot. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what eventually becomes Pawnee Commons, like which is still active to, yep. as of right now to this date. Um, so real location, southeast corner of Hazeltine Avenue and Collins Street in Van Nuys. Um, the first two seasons of the show centered around an abandoned pit dug by a developer who had gone bankrupt. Well, the pit was actually created by the Parks and Rec production crew at a vacant 1.6 acre lot in, in Van Nuys. While the land remained undeveloped for quite some time, there is now sadly construction taking place on the premises and the site is no longer recognizable from its Parks and Rec days. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. Well, I know we're going to play, before we wrap up today, we're going to play a clip from our interview with Ian Phillips. Oh, that's right. Center. Yeah, yeah. We actually talk about the pit. Yeah. 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 So I don't know if that'd be in our clips today, but definitely listen for that. If not, in our full episode, we'll do our the, spotlight. Our spotlight. With yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the fourth location was Ann Perkins' house. It was, of course, adjacent. It's pit adjacent, as we like to say, It's Mark. pit adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe not real life, although this is at 5655 Marietta Avenue, also in Van Nuys. Yeah. And this is the residence where Leslie's BFF, Ann Perkins, lived and located directly behind the Sullivan Street pit. 
Though it was leveled by the very good business and development company that was Ron's company in season seven, Spoiler. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to, yeah I've seen the future. Uh, <laughs> to make way for Morningstar Apartments in season seven, the pad is still standing there in real life and looks very much as it did on the series. Aw. So. Um, number five is Leslie's House which we first were introduced to uh, uh, as Hoarder Central, I think. Yes. Oh, my like, gosh. Leslie beautiful craftsman. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful craftsman. Uh, real location, 2358 Highland Avenue in Altadena. Uh, the craftsman-style home where Leslie lived during her single days can be found on a sleepy street in Altadena. In the season two episode aptly titled Leslie's House, there it yeah. is, uh, Leslie Nope hosted a dinner party at the residence and it is discovered that she had some major hoarding tendencies, <laughs> which I've noticed they've kind of dropped. It, it was one of those things where I think that it was funny, but it wasn't going to go anywhere. So they kind of yeah. got rid of it. Yeah. Not that it didn't fit her personality, but what do you do with that? You know, I agree. At some point, it's a mental illness and it's not all that funny. Right. So that's probably why they moved on from that. My right. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Of course, my the next location is my favorite, JJ's mm. Diner. Uh, the real vo- location was 5530 Van Ice Boulevard and Sherman Oaks. Though the structure used for establishing shots in Pawnee's favorite Waffle House and the unofficial meeting place of Pawnee's politically, of course, of course is located in Atlanta, interiors were filmed at the 4 and 20 restaurant in Sherman Oaks. The eatery, which does not serve waffles in real life, Aww. was featured in countless times throughout Parks and Rec's seven-year run, of course. Yep. Yep. Number seven, the Pawnee Zoo, real location 4730 Crystal Springs Drive in Los Feliz. Los Feliz? Sure, why not? Yeah. Navidad. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, Pawnee's local zoo where Leslie hosted a wedding ceremony for two male penguins in season two's uh, premiere, Pawnee Zoo, is actually the old zoo in Griffith Park. Ah. The site was established in 1912 and remained in operation until the new zoo opened up the road in 1965. The property's former animal enclosures and habitats were left intact after the closure and still stand today. Though abandoned, the former zoo is accessible to the public and is one of my favorite places in the city. Really? Yeah. So that's interesting. They kept that accessible. Well, that is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the, you could tell that it's an old school zoo in that. So very interesting. Yeah. Well, Mark, from the zoo, we jump over to the Bulge, which uh, was, of course, the uh, I think the gay bar located in Pawnee. The real location is at 13713 Oxnard Street, also in Van Nuys. And uh, this is where Leslie was the guest of honor at a party in Pawnee Zoo. Same episode we were just talking about where Leslie and Ben took Anne and Chris after crashing their date in season three's Go Big or Go Home. Yeah. Uh, interior scenes from both episodes were shot at at Sarah's Dine and Dance in Studio City, but this was used for the exteriors. Awesome. All right. Number nine, Rent a Swag. Real location, 12059 Ventura Place, Studio City. The storefront that housed Tom's first successful business venture, a high fashion rental store for teens, can be found on Ventura Place in Studio City. The space first popped up in Season 5's Pawnee Commons mm. and was then featured regularly in subsequent episodes. The, adjo- the adjoining storefront, masked as the Pawnee Video Dome slash XXX Adult DVD Emporium, uh, in Season 5's Bailout. Bailout, yeah. Yep. Of course. When we just reviewed that episode. Yep. Our reviewed our review? We re-reviewed. Yeah, we, we talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. The thing you said. The thing I said. 
Well, Mark, from there, we jump over to a, uh, a future location we haven't really discussed yet in our run of, of, of our review, but uh, Tom's Bistro, real location at 5936 Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood, of course. And the Delancey Pizzeria in Hollywood has uh, played uh, Tom's the, the location for Tom's second successful business venture, the upscale Tom's Bistro, while the interior of the space was used in season six's new slogan, a set based on the interior that was later built for all subsequent filming. So, so really this is, uh, I guess we're talking about this today, but we haven't really covered this in any of our coverage yet. Yeah. So coming up very soon though. It's in the future. Yep. Yep. All right. That brings us to number 11, Leslie and Ben's house. Of course. Casa de la Bensley. Yeah. yeah. Casa de la, 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 la Bensley. Um, Bensley. Uh, real location, uh, Sherman Oaks. Uh, Leslie and Ben lease a home together in season five's Halloween surprise. It is there that Ben proposed to Leslie while standing in the home's vacant living room in that same episode. Mm -hmm. By season seven, spoiler, when the show's timeline jumped ahead three years, the couple had moved to a new pad in Studio City. In the series finale, Ben and Leslie are shown living in Washington, D.C. That house can be found at 4109 Mary Ellen Avenue in Studio City. So, so the clip we actually played while we were at break was that proposal of Ben to Leslie. So this is the location where that happened. Yes, that is the, where they're releasing. Yes. Very nice. Very nice. Well, Mark, from there, we've got, episode, or we've got location number 12, Indiana's smallest park. Oh. The real location was the northwesternmost parking space of the Valley Stores Shopping Center uh, in their rear parking lot at approximately 40. 383 Craft Avenue in Studio City. Mm -hmm. I love how they find these locations. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing to me that the, the job of location scout is fascinating to me. I'll just say I that. agree. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, this location was, uh, you know, picked for, because when Pawnee's last remaining telephone booths were removed in season four, Smallest Park, mm -hmm. Leslie and Ben proceeded to build Indiana's Smallest Park on the 0. 0.000003 square mile <laughs> patch of concrete that's left behind. Uh, it's in that park that Leslie and Ben later rekindled the romance in one of the series' most poignant moments. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yep. Number 13 is uh, Pawnee St. Joseph Hospital, a.k.a. Ann Perkins oh, Hospital. Oh, sure. Of course. Um, real location, 501 South Buena Vista Street in Burbank. The local hospital where Ann worked as a nurse and where countless antics took place throughout the series' seven-year run is actually the Providence St. Joseph Medical Center in Burbank. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, from there, we move over to the Jurassic Fork uh, restaurant, uh, which has the real location at 648 South Broadway in downtown L.A. Indiana's popular dinosaur-themed restaurant, Jurassic Fork, not to be confused with uh, Schindler's Lunch. <laughs> oh, my God. A German eatery owned by the same Steven Spielberg-loving restaurateurs mm -hmm. was portrayed by Clifty's Cafeteria in downtown L.A. This historic site was originally founded in 1935 and was shuttered for a large renovation project three years ago, but it's finally set to reopen in the near future. So this was uh, this article's from what year? Uh, 2015. So it's, it's open again. It should be open again. Go check it out. That's right. Um, I remember Jurassic Fork. Oh, my God. I love that. Um, Schindler's Lunch. Wasn't that Jerry's recommendation? It was. Oh, yeah. man. Um, number 15. The Quiet Corn. I love this place. Um, real location, 314 Adena Street in Pasadena. In season three's camping, 
uh, the Parks gang ditched out on a staff camping trip to, in order to check into a local bed and breakfast run by a harpsichordist slash cat aficionado, <laughs> Elsa. Elsa Clack. Oh my God. One of Pasadena's oldest surviving homes, a 3,098 square foot Queen Anne style residence known as Mansion Adina, wow. made an appearance as the quiet corn in the episode. Of course, poor Elsa dies at the end of the episode. Very end. Yeah. Rest in peace, Elsa. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. At least there's a lot of land uh, to have her buried on there. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, uh, number 16 is the Snake Hole Lounge, mm. one of our favorites. Its real location is 1640 North Kohanga Boulevard. Bless I you. hope I said that right. Yep. Uh, Hollywood's Pawnee's Sickest Nightclub uh, was featured countless times throughout Park's seven year run. Most notably, uh, Mark, the club was where Tom first met bartender Lucy and where he later proposed to her in season seven's two funerals. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yes. Um, number 17, April and Andy's house. Real location, 12718 Valley Spring Lane, Studio City. A picturesque. Is this Tref Cab? It is Tref Cab. I love it. Well, I think it is. Yes. Yeah, it is. You're it's right. Trefcab. It's Trefcab. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a picturesque ranch style home in Studio City served as the longtime residence of April and Andy from seasons three through six. Yeah. In season seven's 2017, which I think is the name of the episode, the couple spontaneously decided to move to what was once a holding cell for insane assembly line workers from the Pawnee Dollhead Factory. <laughs> the interior of this residence also served as the interior of Leslie and Ben's home in seasons five and six. The property said to be located in Pawnee's creepy warehouse district is at 837 Beacon Avenue in Westlake. Very nice. Yeah. Mark, from there, we move on to number 18, which is Scully's Bar. The real location is 219 North Central Avenue in Glendale. Uh, this is actually Clancy's Crab Boiler in Glendale, which was originally established in the 1950s, popped up as two different eateries on Parks and Recreation. Uh, it first was, of course, Scully's Bar, as we mentioned, where mm. Tom and Mark Brandanowitz, or Brandana quits, yep. uh, went, went to hit on chicks, as they said, in uh, season one, in the episode The Banquet. So all the way back in season one. Season one, yeah. yeah. And then later, as O'Shea's, where oh, Leslie... Yeah. Uh, through a pizza party for Pawnee policemen uh, in season three's Ron and Tammy part two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, number 19 is the Pawnee Police Station, a real location 6045 York Boulevard uh, in Highland Park. Uh, so this Highland Park Police Station was featured numerous times on the series. Most notably, it was where a dreadlocked Ron oh my was sent to jail in season three's Ron and Tammy part two. That's our featured Funko today. That's see, him, see him over there? Or uh, where is he? Uh, oh, no. Yeah. No, he's over here now. He keeps moving around on me. Yeah. So, yeah. He's crazy. Yeah. Um, the facility, which is Los Angeles's oldest surviving police station, ceased operations in 1983 and currently houses the Los Angeles Police Museum. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. From there, Mark, we jump over to Charles Mulligan Steakhouse, a poster right here behind me. Yep. Um, it's at 1221 North Fernando Boulevard in Burbank. And in season three's Indianapolis, Ron took Leslie to her favorite to his favorite restaurant, Charles Mulligan Steakhouse. But upon arrival, he was devastated to discover that the place had been shut down by the health department. <laughs> oh. Bastards. Yeah. Mulligan's was portrayed by the Whiskey Bend in Burbank. Nice. Yeah. To end the list of 21 is number 21, Turnbill Mansion. Mm. Um, real location, 880 La Loma Road in Pasadena. 
In season two's 94 meetings, Leslie fought to save one of the most beloved historical sites in Pawnee, a gazebo located Gazoinkspo. Gazoinkspo. A, a gazebo located on the grounds of the Turnville Mansion. That gazebo does not exist in real life. It was a set piece, but the Tudor-style mansion can be found in Pasadena. Though the estate is not easily visible from the road, its front gate, which Leslie chained herself oh, to yeah. in the episode, is accessible and looks much like the same it did when on screen. That's funny. Yeah. So, Mark, that's 21 locations all in and around Los Angeles. That's basically. right. Very right. nice. Well, thank you, Lindsay. That was terrific. Uh, as I understand it, Mark, there's also, and I was shocked to learn this, a number of locations that are actually in Indiana. Right. Like right here in our backyard. Right, right in Indianapolis. Well, let's talk about it. Even, I'm, I'm gonna. Do it. All right. Stop. So, Go. So open the browser of your choice now for those of you playing along at home. Uh, go to Google, type in Ronak, that's R-O-N-A-K, Ronak Guide to Indianapolis. The first hit should be a WordPress.com entry titled The Complete Parks and Recreation Guide to Indianapolis. Wow. Again, like before, we want to be clear, this is not our content. The author for this is Ronak Shah, and this was posted on December 18th, 2016. So a little bit after the other one, but definitely way after Parks and Rec was officially over. And this Ronak goes through 15 buildings around the Indianapolis area that were used in Parks and Recreation. Wow. So almost as many as they we had in the L.A. section. Pretty close. That's I mean, crazy. It's, it's not insubstantial for sure. Yeah. So one easy one. Lucas Oil Stadium. Well, sure. Because, I mean, how can you yeah. how can you not mention yeah. that? Um, like, it was featured in episodes like Two Parties, Fluoride, blah, blah, blah. Um, Lucas Oil Stadium replaced the RCA Dome in 2008 as the official home of the Indianapolis Colts. A stated goal of its construction was to attract the Super Bowl to Indianapolis, and it did so in 2012 with sure Super did. Bowl 46. In two parties, Andy's dream bachelor party was to see the Colts beat the Patriots 49-0 and to yell at Tom Brady and to make him cry. <laughs> youths from Pawnee, youths from Pawnee also participated. It's pronounced Utes. Is it Utes? Yeah. From Pawnee also participated in the Play 60 initiative at Lucas Oil Stadium in Fluoride. Which was a real initiative by the NFL. Yeah. So that was terrific. Mark, uh, the Slippery Noodle is our second location in Indianapolis, and uh, it's it portrays the Pawnee Smokehouse yep. featured in the episode Animal Control. The Slippery Noodle is the oldest continuously operating bar in Indiana, mm -hmm. and uh, as well as the oldest commercial building in Indianapolis. It comes in at just over 166 years young, and uh, that's at the time this article was written. So, gosh, it's, what, 180-something years old Yeah, now? it's even more. Yeah, it's older. That's how math works. Mark, what I found interesting about this one was it was originally a stop on the Underground Railroad. Right. Which it's had many incarnations since then. But uh, apparently you, you can still find, uh, I know it was used as a brewery during Prohibition and it was a bordello. And you can actually find bullet holes in the wall uh, in the back of the building um, where John Dillinger's gang used to actually hold target practice. That's pretty interesting. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, we we claim uh, John Dillinger is our own, which is crazy. But uh, that was where the in the smokehouse. That's where the, they went to smoke with Dennis Feinstein. Yes, right? yes. Oh my god. And Donna was there. That was funny. <laughs> um, number three, Lockerbie Pub as bar. Ron must have named oh, that. Yes. Um, <laughs> featured in a Recall Vote and New Beginnings. Uh, Lockerbie Square Historic District is Indianapolis's first historic neighborhood with many buildings dating back to the late 1800s, and Lockerbie Pub is its watering hole. 
Lockerbie means Loki's village in Old Norse, and the neighborhood is named for a German immigrant who moved to the area in 1831. In New Beginnings, Ben, April, Andy, and Donna have a drink here to discuss their new working relationship with Ben as city manager. Very which nice. Which we just had not too long ago. Yeah, very recently. Yeah. Uh, our fourth location marks the College Avenue Library, which which uh, basically stood in for the Pawnee Library. Mm. Of course, this building is part of the Indianapolis Public Library System, and the College Avenue Library branch was built in 2000 to replace the Broadway Branch Library, which preceded it. Number five, St. Elmo's Steakhouse, Mm. Mm. featured in two parties. St. Elmo's, named for the patron saint of of sailors, was opened in its present-day location in 1902. The buildings it occupies themselves date to the late 1800s and have changed little inside and out beyond repairs and restoration since the restaurant's opening. It's become the standard place for celebrity visitors to Indianapolis to dine, and it was the location chosen by Ron Swanson for his bachelor party in two parties. Very nice. Probably second place to Mulligan's, but still pretty respectable. I mean, he likes it. And, yeah. You know, it's real in this case. Yeah. Like so, a real, real place. Okay. So it maybe comes out on top on account of it's real. Well, I mean, I think if I'm not mistaken on the full list of indie, indie locations and the full list of, of Los Angeles locations, this is the only one that's actually being itself. Well, and Lucas Oil. Oh, Lucas Oil. So fair enough. Yeah. yeah. So, and uh, try try their shrimp cocktail if you've never had it before. Mm. It's got lots of wasabi in it. Yuck. Yeah. (laughs) Mark's favorite, kind of hot. Yep. Yeah. Mark, from there, we're going to bounce over to the Kurt Vonnegut Museum Library, which stood in as the very good building and development company in season seven, (laughs) if I'm not mistaken. Um, And this is located, uh, this is, uh, sorry, this is featured in the episode, Mrs. Ludgate Dwyer Goes to Washington, which is another episode we've yet to cover. Mm -hmm. Uh, The new home for the Kurt Vonnegut Museum Library is on Massachusetts Avenue and honors the legacy of the Indianapolis most celebrated author and satirist, Kurt Vonnegut Jr. Number seven, Murphy's Steakhouse. Uh, as Steakhouse, um, <laughs> featured in Doppelgangers and Ron and Jamie, and maybe some others. Yeah, I think The so. former home of Murphy Steakhouse is often used as a restaurant for Parks and Rec characters grabbing a bite on the road where JJ's Diner isn't an option. Murphy's operates out of a former Frisch's Big Boy restaurant, which opened in 1968 and finally closed in 2014. Very nice. The Glendale Town Center uh, is uh, standing in for the Pawnee Mall as mm. number eight. And this is featured in the episode Emergency Response. Oh, yeah. Um, Glendale Mall is one of those markets gone through a bunch of different incarnations. It was first an open air mall back in 1958 yeah. and then converted into a covered mall because, you know, open air malls in Indianapolis and Indiana, maybe not the best idea. Yeah. It gets freaking cold here in the, sum- in the winter and a little hot in the summer. So. Yeah. Um, it's all the things, yeah. It's all those things, yes. So the mall was home to the many department stores inclu- headquartered in Indianapolis, including L.S. Ayers, the William Block Company, and uh, L. Strauss and Company. And Hook's Drugstore. Oh, and Hook's Drugstore. Of yeah, course, yeah, don't yeah. forget Hook's Drugs. Yeah. That's where they shopped when they're, Ben and Leslie were doing their wedding registry. Oh, Wasn't that's Tom right. Wasn't helping them to scan I totally things? forgot that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Hook's Drugs. That was a thing back in the day. Um, so uh, number nine is the... Maverick Arts and Event Center as the venue for the Bloosh After Party, uh, featured in Recall Boat. The Maverick Arts and Event Center is housed in a historic industrial building in downtown Indianapolis dating back to 1883. 
The building's former uses included grocery terminal and a plumbing warehouse. It was reopened in 2011 after a long restoration period as an event center. Its exterior was featured in recall vote at the Blue After Party as Annabelle Porter had honored Ron's rocking chair as her must-have item of the season. Very nice. Yeah. Coming in at number 10, Mark, is Artisano's Oils and Spices and You Relish Farm. Um, both are actually regular vendors at many of the farmer's markets in Indianapolis, and both are featured either visually or verbally in the farmer's market episode. Well, that's cool. Interesting. Number 11. Which uh, one sells the chard? I think that's another one. Oh, okay. Maybe that one is not real. Oh, maybe I'm just not. guessing on account okay. of the dancers going. Yeah. With chard, yeah. Yeah. Let's get Richarded. No, nope. stop it. Stop, stop it. Um, number eleven, downtown Zionsville overall. I guess as the home of the Pawnee Video Dome. That, that's like five minutes from here, from the studio. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. As a as a suburb of Indianapolis, Zionsville's downtown has maintained a historic character that makes it a popular tourist destination. Downtown Zionsville's brick paved roads. Walkable streets and alleys and historic storefronts comprise the location of the Pawnee Video Dome in Bailout. Very nice. It's a lovely town. Yep. Visit it if you can. Speaking of things I want to visit, mm. Upland Brewing Company mm. uh, was a third Indianapolis location to stand in as itself. Mm. If, you, if you remember, Mark, we actually reached out to Upland a while back when they first we realized there was a thing on the show. I reached out to um, their PR person. It's and for free uh, samples? Yeah. <laughs> they did not give me free samples, oh. but they did give me the backstory of, of how they actually got to be featured on the show. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Number 13, uh, IU Health Hospital North as University Hospital, featured ah. in Galentine's Day. Indiana University Health is an Indiana hospital network, including the state's largest hospital, Methodist Hospital, in downtown Indianapolis, as well as Riley's Children's Hospital. Mm. In Galentine's Day, Anne's baby, Oliver, is born at IU Health North under the name University Hospital. She has a baby? Yeah. His oh. name's University Hospital. Damn it. Yeah. See, this has got all kinds of spoilers in yeah, it, Mark. No. Mark, uh, we're getting down to our penultimate Indianapolis location. We've got the CMC Office Center in Carmel, standing in as the law offices of Foire, Dips, Winchars, Grit, Babip, Picota, Vorp, and Eckstein. <laughs> Talk about phone names. That's where the, the lawyer dude, Trevor Nelson, works, That's right? where Trevor worked, yeah, yes. Yeah. Featured in the episodes uh, Ginned Up, London, in 2017. It's kind of a rather nondescript office center in Carmel, Indiana, and home to a number of small businesses and firms, and it stood out enough to serve as the legal office of the equally nondescript Trevor Nelson and his team. That's right. Yeah. The end of the list, uh, number 15, Biggs Hansen Orthodontics as Tilton and Radomsky oh, Accounting. Gotta love, gotta love it. Featured in episodes like The Cones of Dunshire and Miss Ludgate Dwyer Goes to Washington, uh, another low-key office building on the north side of Indianapolis, this structure is home to Barney Varman's accounting firm, where Ben Wyatt worked on and off. Incidentally, this building is also the office of Mitch Savner, the initial investor for Tom's Bistro. Very nice. And there we have it. And that list was courtesy of Ronak Shaw, That's correct? right. Yeah. Well, and then Lindsay Blake gave us the L.A. location list. And yes. uh, thanks to both of those for putting those out there. Absolutely. That was pretty, I mean, I know there's a little bit of a deep dive in the locations, which is a bit unorthodox, but pretty fascinating. Like we've talked about this show many times, like the things you take for granted, right? Right. And these locations is definitely one of them. I agree. For sure. 
And I agree with you. Location scouts. That's a that's a that's a fascinating job. It is. I, I we haven't talked to one yet. We did kind of do the next best thing, which was our interview with uh, production designer Ian Phillips, who talked a lot about the whole art department and how art works with set decoration. Uh, Kim Wanap, we had her on our show before. So that's right. Ian and Kim have worked together many times, and they both work with the locations uh, folks to actually make these places look and feel very real in the show. And we interviewed them both. And we've interviewed both of them. That's so, right. In, in fact, Mark, I, I thought it'd be a nice idea today if uh, we could play a couple of clips from that interview with Ian to kind of top off our location discussion here. And then, uh, like you said, I think a little earlier, we'll probably do Ian's full episode as a Pawnee Spotlight in, in the next couple of weeks. I think that's a great idea. All right. Well, uh, without much more introduction, why don't we just play you a few cups uh, and then we'll come right back and we'll send everybody home from there. I love it. Let's do it. All right. We have a very special guest today. He's worked on hundreds of productions as both art director and production designer, working across dozens of TV series, videos, shorts, TV movies, and films, not the least of which is a little show we like to call Parks and Recreation. Please welcome our guest today, Ian Phillips. And Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us, Ian. Absolutely. I look forward to this. Now, Ian, you're on the West Coast, or the, 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 the yes. good coast, right? Okay. All right. Well, I mean... Yeah, it's it's the hot coast. This the hot weekend. coast, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's going around. I, I know in our, our pre-chat there, you know, I think uh, we're Mark probably mentioned we're a little north of Pawnee. We're here in Indianapolis, so yes, yes. You never really know how far you are from Pawnee. No, well, that's true because we don't really <laughs> we know. Does. It's like Springfield, Simpsons, Springfield, right? That's right. Where is that's, it? That's absolutely right. Yeah, no, no one, one knows. knows. No one knows. Oh my gosh. <laughs> It's somewhere in Indiana, I can tell you that much. Close enough, yes. That's right. <laughs> I drive all over southern Indiana, and I, I'm i not sure the place they describe exactly exists, but it's pretty close. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I don't think we ever... I think that was part of the goal, was to never make it a real place because of the antics and, you know, the... The people that we make fun of oh, yeah. and the oh, jokes yeah. and, you know, you don't want to make fun of real people. And certainly we don't we never wanted to cause anyone harm. Uh, <laughs> so there was never there was never a set place for Pawnee, Indiana. Well, we, we like to tell people we're about 90 minutes north, you know, and for most of the country, that sounds about right. they don't know what that means. So that that works fine. And for with us. traffic, it's like two hours. Oh, at least. So, oh, at least. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks again for joining us today. I also wanted to thank our friend uh, Kim Wanup. She was the one who originally yes. suggested we speak with you. Uh, I know you've been on her show a couple times and uh, worked, yes, worked Kim closely. Yes, Kim and I uh, have worked together quite quite a few times. Yes, Kim is great. She is great. She, she is, is great. great. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to ask, I know we talked to, uh, mentioned that we might talk about locations a little bit, and you, you gave us a fair amount already, but just hearing you speak about like, the the set design in a controlled set, you probably don't have that much luxury. I'm assuming on a, a location shoot. Like, what are the big differences in preparing for a location? Well, you know, it's it's huge, honestly. Um, with building a set on stage, if you know, if we know long ahead of time, we could have eight weeks to build a set, and we know that. Um, 
we can take walls out of a set because they're not real walls. They're everything is fake and everything moves. But when you go into a real location, you go to a real house, you can't just take a wall out. Sometimes mm -hmm. you can take a window out to point a camera through, but you can't just take out a whole wall, <laughs> unfortunately. And in terms of preparing that location, uh, you know, it's anywhere from one to three days to undress all of the homeowners items. Yeah. Um, bring in a paint, put up wallpaper and then bring in all of the new set decoration to fit that character. Um, a perfect example is uh, Leslie's house. Um, sure. When we first saw Leslie's house, she was a hoarder, right? Oh, we, yeah. We saw this crazy craftsman house, and that was all sort of decided by, oh, well, you know, she's a history buff, and she – and I think they even – if I remember correctly, some of the dialogue was like how much she loved history. And that was why she lived in that house. And, but that was a very sensitive house. It was, it was a house built in the late 1800s in hmm. Pasadena or Altadena. Hmm. Um, you know, they were very sensitive about the wallpaper hmm. because the, uh, if I remember correctly, it was a historically accurate wallpaper to that house. Wow. It was a green and green wallpaper. So we couldn't just hang pictures wherever we wanted. Certainly we couldn't put nails in the wall. Now you can figure out ways to hang a picture. You can put a large picture over a TV mm. flat screen to hide it. Uh, you know, you can use command hooks, which everybody has in their house. <laughs> yep. um, these days, you know, those didn't used to be so common. Um, so we had to figure out other ways. But that house was a, a good example of we have to fill this house up. We have, you know, probably three days to do it. We have to basically get rid of all of the homeowner's furniture and start over. Um, granted, there are other times where... Um, we have had to start from scratch, which is just as hard to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Tilton and Radomski. Yep. It was an empty <laughs> office. It was just an, you know, it was an office building. That's all it was. So there were no desks. There were no chairs. There was no art on the wall. Wow. It was carpet and glass. And that was it. We have wow. to find and source all of the stuff that goes in there. And then on top of it, personalize each individual space because you want it to feel like, well, first of all, that they're accountants, but you know, that Marge over there in the corner is the cat lady and right. she really loves cats. So we, that's how we sort of characterize all of these individuals and create these individuals. But we are literally starting from scratch. All there is is walls. All right, everybody, we're back. 
Well, Mark, that was a couple of clips from our interview with Ian Phillips, the uh, production designer from seasons two through seven. Yeah. And uh, I, I love that conversation. I thought it was great. And I, I look forward to playing the whole Spotlight episode because um, I, I remember we had a really good time talking to Ian. He was a great guest. We did. I mean, not only was he fascinating to talk to, uh, he had a very interesting perspective and he was just really easy to talk to. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and we've been very lucky like, that way with all of our guests and uh, appreciation to Ian and to everyone we've had on the show today. Totally. All right. Well, Mark, I think that about does it. And um, we really appreciate everybody listening today. I hope you enjoyed this grab bag episode. Like I said, it's a little bit different and a nice little break here in the middle of season six. And uh, we'll be back next week with a new episode and look forward to talking to you then. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompani.com for more details or to contact us.